great. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Cinematography for Actors podcast here at Holly Shorts. We are the official podcast partner and this is making me so excited because we have 65 interviews scheduled. We are on our second one here with an incredible team of filmmakers. Um, and what I'm loving here is we have uh, a lot of the departments represented. So here we have Elisa Gambino, the director. Uh, we have Dave Louis, Lou, Lou. Lou uh, executive producer, and Neil Brothman. Brothman, yes. That's a cool last name, cinematographer. And as a DP, I'm glad we're sitting next to each other. It, feel, <laughs> it feels like home over here. Um, and you are here with the film every day after. Um, these are short interviews, but I do want to hear, and for the audience at home, um, what is your logline? What is the film about? The film is about a sister whose love and uh, sacrifice make it possible for her younger brother um, to access the health care that he needs and the health care that's been denied to him uh, because of stigma okay. and because no one thought you know he was maybe worth putting the effort into to helping him realize his, his dream. Got it and for pairing up with your collaborators that we have here um, what were the most important things in the interview process and getting people on the same page to tell the story? So um, Neil and I have been working in global health for a long time, okay. and so global health is really Im important to us, and so that's why, um, and there was an alignment of the desire to show the, the impact, the positive impact that access to health can have, access to healthcare can have. Wow. And so this was based a lot on the experience that you guys have had within kind of the health, global health network and things like that. And so when looking at casting and your approaches there, were you working with with non-actors or actors? How did you kind of cast? I love hearing these stories. Mm -hmm. so. so it's a documentary. Okay. And so uh, obviously documentaries ha can happen in, in many different ways, yes. including with reenactments and mm -hmm. actors. This uh, film is verite. Okay. Um, and so we uh, worked with people who were experiencing their life in a very real way. And it's very important that Neil and I come out of news. Um, and so it's really important to us that we never direct. Yeah. So you're not, you know, so we just spent a lot of time with the family and observed them. Wow. Okay. So if we're going to go, I want to talk a little bit about the verite aspect of filmmaking then. So coming from news, you're working with a lot of different camera packages. Um, I know you decided to shoot on the 5D for this project, or the C500, sorry, yeah. Mark II, um, and the Canon Cineprimes. Is that, did you want to have more of a contained camera package for this because you knew you were invading, like, you, not invading, but being mm -hmm. in people's homes and their lifestyles? What was the decision around the technical components? Um, well, I, I, that's, I love those Canon cameras. Yeah. I, I had a 300 Mark II and a 500 and the, you know, the Mark II. Um, it's a beautiful camera and it's perfect for the type of work that we do because it is small. I use it with an easy rig uh, and, and with the lenses, they're just beautiful lenses. And so, um, you know, working in the, in the very small space that yeah. we were with the family, I was able to because I had the easy rig on and it was able to move around. It's a very contained space. Um, and so uh, it, it was just what I had. Yeah. But it's also it's it, it's, worked. it works because yeah. I've worked with these the, with the Canon cameras and lenses for years, um, and it's just kind of how I work. Familiarity. Yeah. With the docu style um, and the verite style of filmmaking, what were the most important parts of the visual language that you were designing and mm -hmm. coming? Because for documentary, you know, I think nowadays there's an there's a standard of filmmaking for documentary and it keeps getting higher on what you have to reach and, it, and that's tough especially if you are in people's daily lives and you need to have a smaller package 
what were the biggest kind of almost your dogma or your rules that you brought to filmmaking? Sure. Um, well, I thought a lot about this film before we went over to the Philippines to, to shoot it. Um, and I was, uh, my father was a still photographer and covered cool. the American Civil Rights Movement. Wow. He's, uh, his work is fairly well known. Um, and as a kid growing up, I was always um, surrounded by black and white photography right. and in the darkroom. And, uh, and so I was really inspired by uh, Eugene Smith's series, A Country Doctor, which he did in 1948 in Colorado, which is one of the first black and white, one of the first still uh, documentary series of wow. images. Um, and so thinking about going to the Philippines, that's I wanted to sort of recreate that kind of feel. So wow. the film is in black and white. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to, I, I laid down some rules for myself. I said, it's only going to be prime lenses, no okay. zoom lenses. Uh, everything's handheld. Um, and I wanted to be, try to shoot the, as much of the film at like an F2.8 or two, right. um, because we were in such a close space. It's a really tiny home where they live. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of laid those things out for myself uh, and stuck with them. That's so great. And Elisa, when working with the family, um, how were you teaching them to work with camera? And I know you're saying not directing, but obviously there's a lot of direction involved in not directing. So what does that look like when kind of adhering to a visual language, but also having to navigate a family that has you in their home? Right. You know, we just walk in and say, act natural. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it, if only it was that simple. You know? Yeah. No, no. In documentary, you have to build the relationship. Yeah. Um, and so we spent time with the family uh, before we ever started filming with them. And sometimes, you know, Indiana, um, you just luck out. Yeah. And in this case, the family just ignored us. Fantastic. They really did. Yeah. And I was, I was very close. Yeah. Very close. I'm very close. I can't wait to see it now. Like, this is what's so exciting about these interviews is because I'm really, like, pulling all this away. This awesome. is great. Yeah. They just, yeah. they did, they ignored They are so busy yeah. with their day-to-day -day lives and the things that they need to do that they didn't really have much time to pay attention to us. And you see it in the film. They, they never spike the camera. They never look. That's great. And how much time had, did you feel you needed to spend versus how much time you actually spent before getting a camera in there? Or were there times when you had to shut off the camera to be like, maybe we need a reset? So um, Jari and Jessa had um, uh, counseling. And Jessa had, the, Jessa's the older sister, and she had given us permission to film everything. And that was one instance where Neil and I decided that they needed their space and that they were, the camera didn't have any business being in there for something so deeply personal for them. And Jari at the time was 13, and we made that decision. So there were times when we said, stepped back. Mm -hmm. um, but they, every morning when we would show up, they really were happy to see us. And, and, and we had conversations like, you know, let us know if it's too much. Wow. So, it was fine. But uh, documentarians never get to spend as much time as they want. I bet. Yeah. yeah, I bet. To really live within the authentic no. kind of world you're building, but also the one that exists. And Dave, your involve in, involvement in the film and your relationship um, with Elisa, how did that come about? And, and have you worked a lot in documentary before? What was like the reason you really signed on to this and got involved and, and things like that? Sure. So I've made investments in the entertainment space, but had never worked on a documentary, oh, primarily wow. narrative. And um, I was made aware of the project through Smile Train, uh, the, the world's largest cleft charity. And um, I'm a, uh, a donor of the, of the charity and also chairman of the Philanthropic Advisory Council. Fantastic. Um, and so I was made aware of the project 
Um, and I really wanted to be involved. I really wanted to help uh, have this film be known, uh, get into festivals, um, really for two reasons. I'd say on a, on a more pedestrian level, um, the story really resonated with me because I'm a cleft-affected person. Well, I was okay. born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. Uh, in layman's terms, I was born with a massive hole in the center of my face. Wow. And what I saw in Jari, who is the boy in the documentary, uh, I saw the beginning of my own story. Oh. Um, Jari, in, in our uh, film, you'll see that he has his first surgery, a cleft lip repair. Um, I actually just had my 12th cranial oh facial surgery. Um, and so, in many ways, Jari and I bookend the whole journey of a cleft-affected person. Right. Jari's the beginning, I'm hopefully towards the end, uh, <laughs> and that really resonated with me, and I think it's a, a story that needs to be told. Uh, a lot of people in the world have cleft, um, and uh, a lot of our stories are not told. So, uh, first and foremost, at a, at a street level, if you will, um, I wanted this story to be told. And then at a, at a bird's eye level, uh, because of the work I've been doing in entertainment, uh, one of the things that, frankly, has angered me is the continuation of negative tropes right. around people with a facial difference. Right. Um, in many ways, uh, Hollywood has, is running out of negative tropes. Uh, you can't make fun of women. You can't make fun of people of color because that can get you fired. Yeah. Um, but people with a facial difference, and in particular people with cleft, uh, there really is no voice for them. Right. And so you continue to see films where the bad guy has a scar. Yeah. Or even more insidious, the bad guy has a cleft. Yeah. And because uh, the films show that, there's almost uh, no desire to put any exposition behind it. It's like, oh, well, the guy's clearly a bad guy because he has a scar. Oh, and the audience nods their head, and these films actually do quite well. And so my hope is that at a bird's eye level, people come out and watch our documentary, and they see that people with scars, people with facial differences, people with clefts are just like regular people yeah. like you and I. Uh, and, and hopefully they appreciate the love that a sister has for her brother, and they realize that, you know, it's just not right that we as an industry on the media side continue to use this as a negative trope. Yeah. That's so that's why I really wanted to be involved with this project. That's so fantastic. I love that because not only are you, I, I always say that there's like, there's three areas of filmmaking and that's the technical, practical and creative. And I feel for this documentary from what I'm hearing and I can't wait to see it once again. And I, I hope everyone who is watching is able to see it. Um, I, I hope that they can understand that through all of the things that we've talked about, I think your film definitely accomplishes all of them. There's there's a takeaway that's a larger message that's happening. There are the technical role of what the camera can be in a documentary and how you're shooting it. And then there's also the moments of being human with someone and stepping outside of that box and saying, maybe the camera doesn't need to be there for that. And we can still tell that story. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We can't wait to see it. When is your film screening? We're in um, documentary one block okay. and it screens on Sunday at 5 p.m. And it's also on BitPix. Yes, so. which is a the virtual fest that is a partnership with Holly Shorts. It's like has all the most of the films, I think, or all of the films. I'll yeah. have to double check. Um, and you can see. So it doesn't there's no excuse to not watch this film, because if you're not in Hollywood, if you're not in L.A., you can watch it online. Thank you so much. Um, we will tag all of you so that they can find your voice and um, your pages and, and get involved with the film. And I hope that uh, we can see it at a lot of other festivals coming up. So thank you yeah. so much. Fantastic. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. All we'll right. see you guys later. Thanks. Bye, thank everyone. This has been another episode of Cinematography for Actors podcast. Follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be here live from Holly Shorts Film Festival through the 20th. And if you're here at the festival, come up to the VIP lounge and say hi. We're so excited to have a ton of sponsors with us, helping us out to make this show live and possible. And so we'd like to thank Apogee, Film Tools, Roscoe, Lightstone Rentals, Canon, and First Mile Tech.
finally, as a gift to our listeners, all of those listeners, we have partnered with the company We Make Movies to offer discounted production services, including access to comprehensive production insurance and workers' comp for your next shoot. We're making shooting more accessible with We Make Movies. Visit wemakemovies.org slash insurance and use code CFA23 on your intake form for 10% off your quote. Thanks, everyone. See ya.